praise the Lord. That's, that's what we are leaning into. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's, that's, that's why we're here because, you know, we didn't expect to just show up and, and him not be here. All right. We want to be where he's at. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I just want to remind us, man, that, that, that we are here for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we are here and given the opportunity to, to create tomorrow. To create tomorrow by being present with him today. All right? We are creating tomorrow. And in that presence, he is leading us to recognize the opportunities that we have. And so we're here to create tomorrow by, by, by investing all right, because the investment that, that we place in, in the next generation or lack of investment will form our world tomorrow. Don't you agree? Every one of us here, man, every one of us has an opportunity to form the future by living a gospel-centered life that is fully invested fully invested in the lives around us. Amen? But it will require us. It will require us, man, to, to honor these around us in the world that they live in. And, and I'm not talking about just coming in and bashing them with our convictions, bashing them with all of our values. I'm just talking about just honoring human beings, man, in the world that they're already living in. I'm not saying to honor their world. I'm just saying to honor the person in the world that they live in. And then, just then, just maybe it will create an opportunity for us to share how we experience Jesus in ours. Amen? Praise the Lord. I truly believe. Amen? Give it up, man. Praise the Lord. I truly believe this, amen? And, and this has been our statement throughout these past five weeks, man, to, to, to honor people in the world that they live in and share how we experience Jesus in ours. You know, here's what I believe. that Hey, welcome to the church, amen? Woo! All right, I got that all right? All right, here's, here's what I believe, man. When, when, when we honor them, all right, when we honor their time, when we value their voice, we listen to their ideas and even their worldviews. I believe when we, when we prove that we take them seriously, then we can share the intimacy that we have with Christ. Amen. We can share with them how to cultivate intimacy in Christ and how we find our identity in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. We can, we can share, all right, how, how we allow guides in our life to help us in this journey, to recognize that, man, we weren't meant to walk this thing alone, all right? But, but, but men and women who help us continue to follow Christ and help us to discern the culture that is around us. And it's then that we can share how we are developing these meaningful real, uh, relationships that, that cross the lines, these relationships that cross generational lines and reach in and develop and build as we share wisdom and even share fresh ideas, as we reach for wisdom and reach for fresh ideas. 
I believe that when we honor them in the world that they live in, and then we're given the opportunity to share how we experience Jesus and ours, we'll also be able to, 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 to share how we are challenged, all right, to be about the work of being a disciple, even in the workplace, amen? Encouraging one another to do the same. This is where we've been these past four weeks, and it all leads to this week here today. It all leads to a life that is recognizably on mission with Jesus. A life of mission. Check this out. A life of mission that is the mission. This thing is driving me crazy right now. Sorry, I'm not trying to show you my belly as I reach for this thing. Hold on. Let me try to get this thing situated here because it's freaking me. All right. It just feels like somebody's like pulling on my head back like this when I'm trying to talk to you. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird. Anyways, maybe that's better. We'll check it out. No, it's not. But just, I'll just act like it is. All right. <laughs> Here's what I know, man. A life of mission that is the mission. Think about that. A life of mission that is the mission. Here's, here's what I know, that, 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 that when we own, all right, the position, we've talked about that for so many times, when we own the position, we can translate it into the next generation. Here's, here's, here's what I've discovered, at least as me growing up, all right, that, that if you can't own it, then you ain't got no business, you know, in trying to share it. You don't even have the moral authority, all right, to encourage others in this life if you ain't owning this life. Because right now, man, I'll tell you right now, I don't know about you, but I ain't trying to hear, and I know a lot of young people I'm talking about, talking to, ain't trying to hear the, the, the phrase, you know, just do as I say, not as I do. There ain't nobody trying to hear that, right? And we ain't trying to lead that. This is why this life right here, this life that we're talking about is not a very common life. It is an uncommon life. See, life in Christ is, 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 is an uncommon life of mission because the life itself is the mission. Do you get that? The life itself is the mission. Not only the life that we're, we're, that we're pursuing in Christ, all right, but the life we're trying to lead others to in this life. Life itself becomes the mission. And this is the life that truly trusts the gospel. It begins as it's centered in the gospel. We, a life that is, like I say, uncommon. Why? Because we truly believe. Not only do we believe that we trust that Jesus Christ, all right, was sent by the Father who is God in the flesh, all right, was born, lived, did many miracles, all right, and suffered and died on the cross for your sin and my sin, was buried, and three days later rose again, our great God and King, all right? He, he paid, he paid for our sin and gave us the receipt, the guarantee, all right, uh, by, by rising from the grave. Amen. Do you believe that? This is, this is that crazy, uncommon life that we live. This, this is the center of our life, this gospel-centered life that wants to reflect the living Jesus. This gospel-centered life that believes that, that miracles do happen, all right, this gospel-centered life that, that loves the church that Jesus gave his life for, this gospel-centered life that, that desires, all right, and not, not just desires, but actually needs to serve God and serving others. A gospel-centered life that is unashamed to prepare the next generation for this uncommon life, an uncommon life of mission that is the mission. But I believe we need to do better 
reaching across the lines. I discovered, and you know this as well, everybody's got something to say about everybody, don't they? Everybody's got something to say about everybody, and it don't make it easier. At a pastor's conference, at a pastor's conference, a room full of pastors, the speaker asked the pastors, man, hey, describe, okay, you know, when, when considering the next generation, <clears throat> excuse me, what, what words come to mind? When considering the next generation, what words come to mind? These pastors started immediately saying words like selfish, lost, hipsters, tech savvy, flakes, gamers, entitled, self-absorbed, lazy. I'm like, what? <laughs> Finally, somebody spoke up and said, and said, courageous, thank you. And it seemed like all the rest of the pastors go, oh, we probably should change our tone, huh? All right? Oh, yeah, somebody says, yeah, 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 yeah. No, they're, they're, they're passionate, <laughs> sincere. They're hopeful. <laughs> they're pressured. <laughs> Unparented, maybe overparented. Make up your mind. But what's crazy is, is how, how interesting it was to listen to these guys, to watch these guys downplay the next generation, leaving out the most important question. <laughs> Who raised them? Where were you? <laughs> Amen? Who raised them, man? You see, our investment or lack of in our next generation today will form the world that we either complain about or celebrate tomorrow. Think about that. Your investment, my investment, our investment, and I'm talking to everybody here. You're like, I am the next generation. There is other generations that are gonna be coming up next to you, honey. I'm telling you right now. One of your boys are saying, did you just call me honey? Um, sir, <laughs> guys, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but there is a next generation coming behind you too as well. And, and we, we need to be preparing, continually preparing and investing because our investment or lack of investment in our next generation today, I'm talking this day, this Sunday, May 16th, 2021, today, will form the world that we're either can complain about or celebrate tomorrow. Jesus gave us a really, I mean, he was really, really, passionate, obviously, about many things, mainly the gospel, and in looking at, a gen at generations of people. I, I, all through the scriptures, he's been healing and, 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 and teaching and preaching and, 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 and challenging and encouraging and just all in love. And you get into Matthew, Matthew chapter nine, and, and you're seeing these different accounts where he's healing these people, healing these people, and they're, and they're slamming them for it. People, everybody has, like I said, everybody has something to say about everybody, you know, pretty much, all right? And, and, and so, and so he's, he's healing, doing great things, and people are just slamming him and slamming him. And then, and then they, one day he was just, just kind of looking at the city and just looking at the people. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, um, it's recorded uh, just this, this, this account, let me just pray. Father, we just give you the praise and we just give you honor. This is your word, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We just pray for you to guide us through it and lead us in, 
for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, after all these things, it says he, he went throughout all the cities and he just continued to, 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 to teach and to, and to heal these people, man. He says he went throughout all the cities, villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel and healing every disease and every affliction. I mean, he was just about it. He, he wasn't, he, you know, even though he was being criticized, even though he was being put down, even though he was being challenged, it didn't confront him any at all. He continued to love and to heal and to teach and to preach and to bring people close. Look at verse 36. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. This word compassion is, 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 is kind of an uncommon word in the, in, in, in the early Greek language, they actually had to make up a word that it just moved. <laughs> it's it going to sound weird. Um, it moved his guts, all right? It just, it, just, it just felt it so deep. It was in your guts. You just felt, you just had this feeling of compassion that just was all the way, it was internal. It was inside out. It says, and look what it says. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, every one of them had their own little circumstance. Some of them had a group, you know, that shared the same circumstance. Some of them, this person was isolated in this circumstance. All of them had different hurts, different pains, different, different hangups, all kinds of different stuff that's taking place in their life, all right? And so I don't believe that Jesus was saying, man, that, oh, I don't like that, oh, that. No, he looked and said, he felt compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd, he, he wasn't, in, you know, I don't believe that, that it was a circumstance right, that moved him, all right, but, but, but who was missing in the circumstance himself, the glory of God. See, here's what I know. People don't just need help, but they need Jesus in the help. There's a, there's a lot of good that we could be doing in the world. I don't know if you saw, there was an article that was out just recently, this uh, last uh, couple weeks ago, um, I can't remember if it was last, I think it was last week, was the National Day of Prayer, right? And we all, you know, we gathered and prayed, uh, a bunch of pastors, uh, we all gathered together and some churches, we all gathered, uh, and we prayed over just areas of cultural influence in the, in the world. And it was pretty awesome, and it's, it's every year. I believe it's the first Thursday of every May, but there was an article that says the atheist response to the National Day of Prayer. An athe and yeah, the atheist response to the National Day of Prayer. And again, apparently there's a nonprofit group of atheists um, in, I think it was Oklahoma, who said, you know, they, 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 they can do good without God. They had some slogans, good without God, uh, faith without, uh, fellowship without faith, uh, community without church. Now, I'm not gonna slam on these people, man. They're, they're doing good. They're gonna go out there and do some good. Praise the Lord, man. And I will say, praise the Lord. You know, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and then they'll go out there and do some good. That's just awesome, all right? But, but, but Jesus said, you know what? He who drinks from this well will be thirsty again, remember? But he who drinks from my well will never thirst again. Yeah, there's a lot of people who need help, man, but they need Jesus in the help, Amen. And Jesus was looking at the crowds, man, and he says, you know what? He says that he, that he, he had compassion because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. <clears throat> and then the next verse, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, man. People are starving without Jesus. People are starving without God. 
See, people are, are hungry for the kingdom. He said, but the laborers are few. So he challenges them to engage in the mission because this is a life on mission, right? And life is the mission. And he says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and to send out laborers into his harvest. He says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. There's, there's, right now, we're, we're surrounded by generations, all right, that are, that are spiritually starving, all right, we're surrounded by, by young men and women all right, that are looking, what, what is the best foot forward? What, what, which way to go, man? And, and they're, they're harassed and they're helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, we're surrounded right now. And Jesus is challenging us, all right? Right when we see that and we think of that, well, I just need to go then. No way, he says, stop. He says, Pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. You're like, man, I'm ready. I'll go. He says, wait, stop and pray. He challenges us to pray. You see, because I know this. Prayer leads you to the work. Prayer will lead you through the work. And prayer will confirm that the work that you're doing is his work. Amen? Prayer will lead you to the work. Prayer will lead you through the work. And prayer will confirm that the work you're doing is to stop and pray. And I also believe that, that calling us to pray will convict us to go while giving us the moral authority to challenge others to go with us. I believe that. I was, I was, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. You know this. Two different churches, one down in Tucson and then up here, uh, up here in Pine Top. And each time, I mean, youth would, would come around and, and there was just a lot of students and I was like, man, Lord, we, we need laborers. We need laborers, man. We need workers for these youth. And he challenged me to pray. And, and, and I always, you know, we do the normal thing. Okay, well, who's, who's qualified? Who, who's getting along with youth? Boom, boom, boom. You know, and, and we, we, we attracted some amazing youth leaders. Um, but, but what was amazing is the Lord revealed to me that the youth were actually the workers as well. And he challenged me to, 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 to challenge them to own that position of this life of mission, all right? That is the mission. And, and I was crazy because these students started stepping up and they started owning this position. And more students, I remember I was down in Tucson, all right, and door flies open and we're having a youth meeting and in walks these little gang-looking chicks, man, all right? Little, they look like they just came from, you know, like they're getting ready to go you know, fight somebody, but they came in because somebody told them that we're talking about Jesus and we should come and listen or we might go to hell, all right? <laughs> Not even kidding, all right? And I realized that some of our students were actually out at the Tucson Mall, all right, and uh, just inviting people to church so they don't have to go to hell. And it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing because many of these students, especially the one, the one that, I, that, that walked in all crazy and the door actually slammed open, She's actually, she's, she, she, her whole family, her husband, her children, they're on mission, man. Living this life of mission. 
And so many of these kids were just, just involved, man. And, and it was crazy because when we were here, you know, in our youth group here, and I was challenging the students, man, you guys, you guys want to see your friends here, right? You guys want to see your friends come to Jesus. You want to see your friends know Jesus. Yeah, 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 we do. Well, then, you know what? Then go lead them. And they did. And our youth group just started growing and growing. I mean, growing spiritually, not just in numbers. There were a lot of kids there, all right? But I was watching youth just grow, come stronger and stronger. And I said, you know, baby, you want your friends here. You're going to have to lead them here, all right? I'll lead you, but, you, but you're going to need to lead them. And I says, you're going to need to lead, lead them because you're going to need to live the life that you're actually calling them to live. And I'm telling you the same thing right now. You're going to need to live the life that you're calling your children to live your grandchildren to live, those kids in your neighborhood to live, those kids that work with you or work for you to live. You need to live this life that you're calling them to live, a life of mission that is the mission. Amen? And it's an uncommon life. Romans chapter 12, verse one, gives us an, a picture of, of how uncommon this is. Look what he says. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means an everyday, all day, 24-7 sacrifice. My life is, is not my own. It's his. Now, I've got a secret for you, man. I don't know if you guys recognize this. And I say this often, but maybe sometimes we forget. This life was never intended to be yours. He gave it to you to give back to him so that he can bless you with abundant life. It's pretty amazing. He says... Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And this could look like a lot of things. I was, I was talking to uh, my brother in Christ, Robert, the other day. And, uh, man, I love sitting down talking to this guy. He has some of the most amazing stories. And we're hanging out with him, right? And he's, he's, he's an older gentleman. And, and, you know, he's been, you know, he's lived back east and where, you know, some of the grass roots of faith was just starting to just take hold on our nation. It was pretty awesome. And uh, he was telling me about his uncle. Uncle, all right, who uh, he said back at this time, everybody had their own still. Everybody was making their own whiskey, basically, all right? And that's what his uncle was doing one night. He says, his uncle was just kicking it right there, and he's just making some whiskey, all right? And, uh, and, and, and he heard this noise coming up from the holla. Anybody know what a holla is? Look it up. All right, anyways, check this out. He's heard this noise coming up from the holla, all right? So he thought he was going to go check it out. All right, granted, he's making whiskey, all right? And I don't know if it was quite legal, all right? But anyways, he's, he goes down, he hears this noise down through the holler, and he's going through the bushes, and he comes into this little clearing, and there's a man out there just preaching the gospel. There's a man preaching the gospel. There's a couple of hay barrels, people, a couple of people just listening, and he's preaching the gospel. Now, he had been... Um, he had been diagnosed with uh, tuberculosis, all right, by three different doctors telling him that, you know what, he doesn't have very long to live. So he's listening to this dude preach the gospel out here in the wilderness, man, and, and, and then he goes home. 
And when he goes home, he goes, he goes upstairs into his room and his family was tripping out. Like, like why, is he, why is he locked up in his room, man? What, you know? And they thought maybe he's gonna take his life, man, because he's sick, he doesn't have much, you know, and they're tripping. But he went up there, man, to present himself as a living sacrifice to God Almighty. And this, what took place up in that room was pretty much miraculous because you know, God himself presented himself to him. And, you know, and I've seen this happen before. I've experienced it myself where God actually just kind of just said, hey, I'm sending you. And this man became a preacher, a street preacher. And you know what? Hung up the whiskey, all right? Picked up his Bible and was preaching on street corners underneath street lamps, leading people to Jesus. And he outlived all three of those doctors. <laughs> Praise the Lord, amen. He says, he says I'm, I'm telling you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then he says this, do not be conformed, hold it, to the world, to this world. Don't be conformed to the world's values, to the world's customs, to the world's beliefs. or be transformed at the renewal of your mind. That by attesting, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I mean, we, it's easy to get along with the herd, ain't it? It's easy just to roll with the herd, man. It's easy, and we're, we're even excused from some things. What the heck? All right, we're even excused from some stuff that, that we should not be excused from because the herd is not tripping. As long as we ain't tripping, as long as the herd ain't tripping, we're all right. But sometimes we need to cut a new trail, right? I think all the time is what he's saying is we need to cut new trails. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the, by a, like, by allowing God to change your way of thinking, all right? That by testing, you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Perfect By testing, and I, and I was listening to a story that Jeremiah and Jameson went up to go see our brother Nick up in Oregon, and Nick uh, teaches at uh, Teen Challenge there every, every week, and, um, and it's pretty awesome because he, he goes in there, he teaches, and he kind of shares, and, and, and they were there, and one guy got up to share his testimony. And he says, I'm here, man. He says, I was on the streets, you see, and um, I would always be in this one particular area, and this lady would walk by all the time. And she would always say hi to me. And I'd say hi back. And then after a few times of saying hi, she asked if she could pray for me. No, wait. After a few times of saying hi, she asked if there was anything I needed. And I said, no, man, I'm, I'm good. And she ended up bringing me some food. And then she, because she, well, I guess it was, I don't know if it was on her way to work or what, but she'd always see this guy. She'd say, hi, now she's bringing him food. And then she asked if he could take his clothes home and wash his clothes for him and bring him back. And then she did that. And this is over the course of a few weeks. And then she asked if she could pray for him. And she did that. She honored him in the world that he was living, even though it was not a good world. She honored him in the world. 
which gave her the opportunity to share how she experiences Jesus in her. She started testing, all right, this renewal, this way of thinking, the God way of thinking. And then she asked him the question. She says, do you want to be here? You think it's like a really obvious question, but she asked him, do you want to be here? And he says, no, I don't. She says, and she told him about Teen Challenge. And that's where he was, giving this testimony. This, 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 this is an uncommon life, all right, of mission that is the mission. And so what do I want you guys to do? I want you to live this uncommon life. I want you to pursue this uncommon life, that a life of mission that is the mission. And, and, and you know, I want to just share with you because we have an example in the scriptures of being told to do the same thing as God was teaching, has uh, shared through this, this prophet Jeremiah. Hold on a second. You see, back in back in the back 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 about you know, 2,700, 600 years ago, all right, uh, there was a there was a nation called Israel. There still is actually, and we need to be praying for Israel, by the way, right now, all right. And uh, praise the Lord. Yes, don't forget that. That is our job, man, to lift up Israel. Come on, man. This is this is this is our family. Praise the Lord. And God instructed us to, all right. And so. Um, uh, you know, back in the days, they were, they were going through some really, really extremely tough times, all right, where there was a sovereign nation, actually, uh, Babylon, that was just coming around conquering all these subordinate nations and people groups and just taking them captive. And they came in and took and did the same with Israel and took all their young people, took their whole next generation crew, all right, took all of their young people, and then they, they took all of them first, and then they came back and took the rest, left the remnant, all right, but took most of Israel into captivity in Babylon. Now, I don't know about you, man, but I would be pretty put out if that happened to me. All right, I don't know if I'd like that too much. I don't know how I would handle that too well. But God sent, a, he, he, had, he had Jeremiah send them a note, man. He kind of just sent them some encouragement. And, and Jeremiah sent this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4. You can, you can hear what he says in this, this note that he sent to the, to the exiles. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, to uh, the exiles in Israel. And he said, in, in Babylon, he says this. Here, here, here's what it is. Now, now, here's what I'm trying to paint. The picture again, I want you to live uh, an uncommon life, a life of mission that is the mission. All right, we, we've talked about, you know, the call that Christ says to pray for the workers. We've talked about what, what it looks like when, when I mean, uh, you know, what it requires in, in this renewal of the mind and, 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 and whatnot. And, and now I just want to share with you, here's what it looks like. It, it, we've given a great picture right here. All right, Jeremiah says this, thus says the Lord God of Israel to those exiles whom I've sent you into exile from Jerusalem. All right, he says, recognize that we're, we're actually here on purpose. Number one, we need to realize that we're here on purpose. We're here on purpose. We're, we're not here by accident. You're right here. You're right where you're at on purpose. God knows exactly what he wants to do through you right where you're at right now. So he tells them, look at man, recognize number one, that you're, you're right, you're here on purpose. And then he says, build homes and live in them and plant gardens and eat their fruit. And what he's saying is, man, is don't just sit here and complain, man. He says, be fruitful. Stay in one place for a while, all right? Hang out for a little while and start to, start to just create, 
all right? You were created by an amazing creator who created you also to create, all right? And start to create. He says, take wives, have sons and daughters. Take wives for your daughters. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. He's saying basically, you know what? Make disciples of your kids. Make disciples of other kids. And just, you know, basically raise up this next generation to know the Lord. Make disciples who are going to make disciples. Let's prepare the next generation to take this whole thing over, basically, is what he's saying. Reach across the lines. Right? We're not being, we're not, we're not, in this whole series of creating tomorrow, we're not talking about anything new here. I think it's just a renewal of things that God has been telling us the whole time. And finally, he says this. He says, look at this. Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. In its welfare, you will find your welfare. The, the recenter exists because God gave us this command right now. Because he told us that we need to seek the welfare of the community, the well-being of this city that we live in. And he's telling us to do this by blessing this community, whether they believe in God or not. You know, the vision of the recenter is to create a Jesus culture without demanding a Jesus response. And it's an amazing thing. But I think it's all of our position. It's part of this life on mission. But he says, seek the welfare of the city, right? Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you in and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And when we're seeking this welfare just on a, on a personal basis, we're learning that we need to be blessing others, right? We need to be blessing others. And how do you bless others? This is a life on mission. You're thinking, okay, wait, what do I need to do? I need to create a ministry. You are the ministry. You are the ministry. Open doors for people. Give preference to the elderly. If you're walking up to Safeway and there's an elderly person walking up, stop. Let them go first. Just do it, man. Just practice this. A woman or somebody, help, help them carry some stuff. Give preference to the, to the younger. Go ahead, kid, knock it out, man. I'm not in a big hurry. You're the one who's got to get back to work. <laughs> Anyways, all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, give preference. Respect authority. Respect the elderly. Take a knee when you're talking to a kid, man. Get down there. Look on the. Yeah, I don't know about a kid. I can't ever tell them I look at kids doing this. I'm thinking, was, did my neck hurt when I was a kid? Because I'm trying to talk to people like this. Get down, take a knee. Look at them in the eye. Let them know that you take them seriously. Let a kid know that you take them seriously. Listen to what they got to say. Touch the untouchable, love the unlovable. And if you have authority, because all of you have a sense of authority, use your authority to serve. Use your authority to serve, man. Here's, here's what I know, man. <laughs> Jesus was the most powerful and is the most powerful person on the planet. And when he was walking on the planet, what, would it, what was it like to know that every room that you walked into, you were the most powerful person in the room? Well, I'll tell you what it was like for Jesus. The way he looked at it, it says, what, you know, what, do I, what do you do with that power? You serve others. 
And what do you do when you know that you're the most powerful person in the room? You know, maybe you're the dad, maybe you're the mom, maybe you're the boss, maybe you're the manager, all right? Maybe you're the team leader, whatever the case may be. What do you do with that power? You do the same thing that Jesus did. Is you use it to serve others. He says, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, all right? For in its welfare, you will find welfare. Make prayer a mission, man. Come on, we need to make prayer a mission. Pray for this place and pray for these people. Do you know that 52%, I believe, of adults believe that praying for for, for people in public, especially strangers in public, is, is extremist, all right? Well, go out and be extremist, <laughs> They're praying for people, man. Let them know. Don't just say, I'll pray for you. Say, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Ask them if you can pray for them. When we own this position, I believe we can translate this into the next generation. But how are we going to do that? (laughs) I don't know if you're taking notes, man, but you're probably going nuts because I have five things for you right now. All right? (laughs) Five quick things for you. How are we going to translate this and encourage this into the next generation? There's got to be a how. We know that we have to do this, but how are we going to do this? Expect, number one, I believe we truly need to expect and allow risk. We need to expect and allow risk. A life on mission is a life at risk. Paul, just ask the Apostle Paul. I've heard people say this all the time. Oh man, being in the center of God's will is the safest place on the planet. Wrong. <laughs> Completely wrong. No, it's not. It is definitely not. It is the most dangerous place on the planet. Being in the center of God's will is the most dangerous. Look what Paul said. He said, look at the, uh, here's Paul. Here's what it looks like to be in the center of God's will. All right, uh, uh, you know, imprisoned, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, the old fashioned kind. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, Danger from robbers, danger from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, without food often, in cold and exposure. And boy, was it just the most safest place to be in the center of God's will. If we're going to prepare the next generation, we need to prepare them to expect and allow risk. We can't helicopter over them as, as parents or disciples. Oh, we just want to, no, 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 no. Jesus didn't. He said, go. Come back and tell me what happened. Number two, we need to pray, prepare them for the hard conversations. Because right now there are so many views, so many worldviews, and they're going to be challenged by, in college, by professors, in, in, in peer groups, and wherever they go, man, they're going to be challenged in these conversations. And we need to prepare them for the, mo- for the hard conversations. It's probably the most crucial uh, practical skills that they are going to need. Number three, we need to embody a godly sexual ethic. We need to embody a godly sexual ethic, all right? They need to see it in our life. You know, people are saying, why don't you talk about this? Why don't you talk about this? You know, as a pastor, they'll tell me, why don't you preach this? Why don't you preach this? My first question back to them is, why don't you? Don't wait for me. 
We're going as God leads, man. So if that's on your heart, then God is leading you to have this conversation. But you gotta live it first. You gotta show them what it looks like first. Number four, you need to leave. Obviously, this should be the first, but it means you need to lead with love. You need to continually lead for love. Is it obvious in your life? Can, is it noticeable in your life that you care for people that are not like you? You need to lead with love. And finally, number five, we need to do this together. You need to take your disciples with you. Don't just tell them. Put them in the car, put them in the truck. We're gonna go pray for this person. We're gonna go talk to somebody. We're gonna go help somebody. Take them with you. Let them see this life in action, this life on mission. A life of mission that is the mission, amen? And remember, man, if you're his, if you claim to belong to Jesus, then your life is the mission. You need to own that and encourage it so that we can make disciples who make disciples. Amen? Praise the Lord. Got the easy part done. What you gonna do about that? 